0: So a little over a year ago, I had a young man call me and ask for an appointment, and when he came in, I could see it was going to be one of those sort of adversarial, prove to me that the Catholic Church is true. So we talked, and I listened, he wasn't really going to Mass much, Uh, but over the course of that conversation, some bells started going off in his head. So we met again, we met again, he returned to college, we talked via FaceTime, and he's gone from really not going to Mass. Going to Sunday Mass and then going to daily Mass. I said, Ah, a vocation is blooming in this situation. And so, the course of this year, this young man has become quite holy. And about 30 minutes ago, he just texted me. He and his family are visiting another country. And he said, This stinks, but he used a different S word. There's because of COVID, they're still not distributing communion. I can't go without receiving communion for ten days. Everything is drama when you're 22 years old. Talked him down off of the ledge, but it reminds me of how intricate and how how integral and how important the Eucharist is to men and women of faith. We are in year B of the normal three-year cycle of Sunday readings, and during year B we focus on the wisdom found in St. Mark's Gospel, but Mark is usurped during the waning months of summer during Cycle B, and that is we switch during the 17th to the 21st Sundays of Ordinary Time to meditate on St. John's Gospel, Chapter 6, that contains St. John's teaching on the Most Holy Eucharist, which is why my friend came to mind this morning. Of course, the other evangelists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells us the story of the Last Supper when Jesus instituted the Eucharist. It is a gift that extends to us as we share the sacrifice of Jesus' body and blood that nourishes us along the path of our discipleship. But St. John doesn't recount the Last Supper, instead, he draws from another incident in Jesus' life, a particular teaching. He gave in the synagogue in the small fishing town of Capernaum. I've been there myself. It's just a small, insignificant town, really the ruins of a town, along the Sea of Galilee. This teaching has come, become known to us as the Bread of Life discourse, which we'll hear in the several weeks following this week. The chapter begins, as we, last, as we heard last week, with the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It prov- provides the background and context in which Jesus teaches the people about the sacrificial meal that he would establish in the Holy Eucharist that will memorialize his passion and death. That is, he'll help us remember his passion and death as we receive his body and blood. Today's Gospel begins with the last, what were last week's left off, the people have been fed, and as their stomachs are full, they are satisfied temporarily. It's a very minimal form of happiness. As it is often the case where a good meal is involved, they're delighted with their host. In fact, they want to make Jesus their king. Why? Anyone who can pull off a spontaneous dinner party in the middle of nowhere for 5,000 people ought to be king. But Jesus slips away before the throng is able to have its way. When the crowd finally catches up with him in the village of Capernaum, they demand more signs, show us more signs, more miracles, give us more food. But Jesus is not a puppet. He rebukes them. You are looking for me because you ate loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. This isn't exactly what they wanted to hear. But with full stomachs, they were receptive to his teaching. So they asked him, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? Same question that many of us ask when we come week in and week out to Mass. What do we have to do to do the works of God? So his words in the synagogue at Capernaum are meant for us as well. This is the work of God, he tells us, that you believe in the one that God sends. Jesus is about to begin that discourse on the bread of life, the most profound teaching of everything he ever taught, and he prepares his hearers with one specific word in the last line of our gospel today. Believe. You must believe in me, he tells, he tells them. You must have faith because what I'm about to tell you is about to require a lot of faith. What I'm going to say will boggle your mind. It is beyond the ordinary human belief and understanding. It defies reason. In fact, Jesus warns his disciples, and in our century, to come forward with, will will stop. Will, then to come will stop following me precisely because of what I'm about to say. So believe in me. Trust in my word. Open your hearts to this great teaching. Because I'm going to open for you the most profound mystery of God's grace, a mystery that will bring you life and holiness of life, a mystery that will enable you to live forever. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. Thus our gospel ends today and the bread of life discourse begins. And in the weeks to come we will hear that discourse unfold as Jesus teaches the people about the most holy Eucharist and the centrality of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we remember when we celebrate the Eucharist. In the sacrifice of the Mass, as we all know, the bread and life and wine are miraculously transformed In their substance, they become the living body and blood of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. The bread and wine cease to be, only their appearances remain, and what lies before us on this altar, what is given to us is our food and drink, is Jesus Christ himself. It's an amazing teaching of the church that has sustained her for over 2,000 years. And so, what Jesus says to the people in Capernaum, he says to each one of us who struggles to get our minds around this mystery of the Eucharist believe in me, open your heart to me. After they left Egypt, the people of Israel began to lose their faith and they complained bitterly against Moses for having brought them out in the desert to starve to death. Despite their doubts, and complaints, God was gracious to them and bolstered their faith by giving them the miracle of manna, bread from heaven, suited to every taste, which fed the vast throng for 40 years as they wandered through the desert. An even greater miracle is given to us as we wander through the wilderness of our lives, toward our promised land, and the eternal happiness of heaven, not merely the bread of angels but God himself is given to us as our food. We can't perceive it with our senses. It is only with the eyes of faith that we can see Jesus in the most holy sacrifice of the altar. So perhaps today, when we doubt, we say the prayer, increase our faith. There are many today who have lost faith, who simply cannot believe that this ancient, teaching can be true, but it is our Lord's own words that verify it. Believe in the one that God has sent. My Father has given you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is what comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life, he will tell us. Our world seems to continue to spin out of control these days, people seem to be very much on edge. We seem to be walking in quicksand. So many people report to me that they struggle with anxiety about our future. Yet post-COVID, many Christians also report that perhaps faith didn't afford them anything significant. So they're discerning whether they're going to return to church, that is Catholic church, and any other church, or not. Perhaps if you have a friend or a family member that is suffering An invitation to return to Eucharist, to Mass, might help them. This weekend and in the coming weeks, we celebrate with certainty that God is with us sacramentally on this altar, that he wants to be close to us, that he promises through reception of Holy Communion that he will take up residence in our hearts. This awesome reality should allow us to walk lightly, And confidently in the world around us, for we are not alone to face the perils of life. Amen.